Today's episode of the Gaucho 9 podcast brought to you by Kyle's Kitchen. During these uncertain times, more and more people are looking for healthy comfort food from a trusted source. Kyle's Kitchen is going above and beyond serving the local Santa Barbara community, just like they help serve the Gauchos on the diamond by putting family first. Kyle is offering two new deals to help you save money and provide a delicious meal for your family, like the $20 Grill It Yourself four-pack of burgers or Kyle's $37 family meal, which includes four gourmet burgers, two orders of house-made fries, a large family-sized salad, and four warm brioche garlic rolls. With locations in Hollister Village and on Cairo Real in Goleta and on Chapala Street, downtown Santa Barbara, Kyle's Kitchen is proud to serve the community in a clean, safe, and welcoming environment by providing takeout, curbside, or delivering options, and open daily from 11 a.m. to 2 for lunch and 5 p.m to 8 p.m. for dinner. All right, we got the birth of the UCSB Baseball Analytics Department here today for you. We got Evan Short and Tony Ortiz talking about some numbers. One thing to clear up before we get into it, there's some bad audio. I did my best to clean it up with the software that I have. I even sent it to a specialist to see if they could do anything, but uh, not a whole lot they could do. I cleaned it up a little bit. It sounds okay, but just in case you want to skip through it, it's about three minutes, like the 33-minute mark, where Evan and Tony are explaining how they got their positions with the Blue Jays and the Yankees, respectively. Evan says how he, the Blue Jays liked his progressiveness and his experience with jump-starting uh, a department. And for Tony's case, the Yankees were looking to hire recent grads with baseball experience, and he's fit into that category. So that's kind of what was discussed in those three minutes. If you want to skip ahead, feel free. So. Uh, here we go, the birth of UCSB Baseball Analytics. It's one of the most beautiful views of any campus in America, the Pacific Ocean crashing against the shores of UC Santa Barbara every morning, noon, and night. There's the one strike pitch, and Mitchell belts the deep left. Cabrera is going to watch it fly. He strikes out the side for the second consecutive inning, and Armani belts it to deep center. Gauchos are going to Omaha, can you believe it? Two pitch and a curveball is swung on him. And the score is due. Here comes Mitchell. He's going to score. And the Gauchos are the 2019 champions of the Midwest. All right. So we've got a couple of analytics people here this afternoon. And uh, we'll just jump right into it. First, introducing from Fairbanks, Alaska. Currently, in Fairbanks, Alaska, formerly of Santa Barbara, California, and of course, San Jose, California. But now he's a player development analyst for the Toronto Blue Jays. He graduated in 2017. He was on the baseball staff here at UCSB 2016 to 2018. Evan Short, welcome to the podcast. How are things up in Alaska? Uh, slowly warming up. The snow's slowly but surely vanishing. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me on the Nerdcast. The Nerdcast, yes. And then, of course, our other guest today, out of Puerto Rico, now currently in Cincinnati, Ohio, a quantitative analysis associate with the New York Yankees, graduated in 2019. He was with the baseball staff into this year, 2018 to 2020, Tony Ortiz. Tony, I got to say, your title trumps... Evan Short's title, if I'm not mistaken. And, and length it does. 
but that might well, be the only thing. Well, quantitative. Me on, by the way, Kev. Of course, of course. Quantitative. Can you define quantitative? I mean, it sounds like quantum physics to me. It's just a fancy way of saying that I look at numbers all day. Or Evan has development in there, so like that kind of suggests that he actually gets to hang out around the players and be on the field. Like the quantitative part is like, oh, you're in an office. So, but hopefully down the road, if there's ever games or anything, <laughs> I get to do some other stuff too. But at this point, yeah, it's it's mostly looking at numbers. I would say. That's great. Well, th these two guys uh, are really good at numbers, and we want to get your guys, you know, perspectives on on where you're currently at. Because Evan, you're in you're in Fairbanks. So you're working with the Toronto Blue Jays. You've been in Florida. But what is your your current situation like? What what kind of work are you doing right now just to try and stay busy and and do things with the Blue Jays? Obviously, you know, with the coronavirus situation, we've all kind of been sent home. So most of our work uh, is going to be done remotely. So um, kind of like what Tony was alluding to earlier, uh, how most of his work is done in office. That's kind of how my job has sort of evolved with the situation as well. Um, all we could really do, at least somebody in my shoes can, is sort of get ready and anticipate whenever baseball starts up again. Because honestly, like a lot of my work is you know, working with players on the field and everything. So sort of pre premeditating some of the work that we plan on doing when everything gets back to normal is what I'm focused on at the moment. As I'm sure you two and everybody else is, we're just parking for baseball to get back and just waiting for that day to come again. 100%. Tony, same question. Uh, for me, luckily, the, the job that I have um, doesn't require, like, the season to be played uh, to do what I normally would do. So I'm mostly like working with information and data from past years. Now, like it'd be awesome to have new stuff. There's a lot that can be done, like investigating different trends and all that in past years and trying to evaluate player talent now. So um, I'm here working at home. I have like a little setup with a monitor there and then our computer and I'm on my personal computer, which has helped a lot because <laughs> at first it was a little hard to transition. I almost feel like I'm in school again because, like, I'm learning different things that I didn't learn in school or that maybe, I like, we quickly talked about and applying them to the baseball data. So that's been cool for me. So in a sense, it's kind of a silver lining. It gives you a, an adjustment period where there's not a constant stream of, of information coming in. Of course, if there was, you know, if you were playing games and you're getting info, you're, you're learning on the fly, maybe learning faster or you know forcing yourself to acclimate faster but at least in this sense you're you're kind of have this period to to lock in and and make some adjustments but it's it's funny like how the not playing uh, or Tony is still able to work and and do things let's take it back to gaucho days cuz both of you were students you guys uh got involved with the program and were really involved in this period of gaucho baseball that transitioned into analytics and player development and using data actively on the field and as students at the time you guys aren't yourselves doing it but you are passing along the information to the coaches and helping them understand what the numbers mean and what the the videos mean and what you're seeing uh, on the analytical side of things so Evan I mean you came to the baseball staff in 2016 I believe as an intern under uh, Coach Corneo at the time, 
and then you found yourself as the first director of analytics at UCSB. So could you run through your, your, your gaucho career real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, I, I wasn't good enough to play. I played Sunday League on the side. I knew I wanted to be involved in the game somehow, and uh, I knew I wanted to be involved with a prodigious program that I happen, happen to be a student of the same campus. So um, it was an easy choice to get involved with the baseball program on campus. And I know Coach Cornejo was looking for interns to help him out, uh, mainly with recruiting and kind of keeping a organized database of all the information that he gets when he's out on the road. Uh, eventually, my role kind of grew into something a little bit more onto the statistics side of things. And I know I use RightView Pro a lot, Kevin, which you are extremely familiar with. And then at the time, that was kind of all we had. We had that in video. And eventually we got to the place where while RightView Pro and video is really valuable, felt like we could probably do a little bit more. Thankfully, I landed in a place where um, I worked for a program where the head coach is really amenable to try and explore new opportunities, um, especially as a mid-major program. You know, you got to find unique ways to be really good. Uh, coach Jenkins was one of probably the first head coaches in the country to to be all in on TrackMan, um, which if you've ever seen StatCast with Major League Games, TrackMan is what provided that kind of data with uh, launch angles, exit velocities, uh, pitch spin rates, things like that. Um, so I'm fortunate that Coach Checkets was willing to spend a little bit of money to get TrackMan, uh, to get another um, technology device that measures pitching statistics, um, which is called Rapsodo, uh, and uh, eventually gave me a role where I was in charge of that stuff and, and gave me the freedom and the opportunity to kind of figure all that stuff out and see how it could be applied to making players better. Okay, so where did Tony fall into all this? Because... He was looking for a job as, you know, an intern. He wanted to get involved just like you were. And, and then, you know, you were in the process of hiring people and trying to expand and you needed help because we kept getting more stuff. It was Rapsodo and TrackMan and you got to sit at games, at scrimmages and watch things and sit at bullpens. You know, you can't be in many places at once. And, and Tony comes along and he expressed some, you know, qualities that caught your attention because he came in and he played a big part right away. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tony was a huge help. I think uh, while I was kind of figuring out the whole analytics with the college baseball program type thing, my eyes might have been a little bit bigger than my stomach. Um, so I definitely needed uh, as many hands on as I could possibly get. And a couple of things stood out when I looked at Tony's uh, application. Obviously, he's passionate about baseball. I mean, you guys could see the background of his room right there. Huge Yankee fan. This guy, you know, lives baseball. Also speaks Spanish, which is, um, but I mean, Tony was really passionate. He's able to, to dive in head first, all gas and no brakes, uh, which is kind of what I needed at the time. And Tony's also really humble. He's one of the more humble people I've ever met. And I think that was really valuable for Tony because maybe at the time he was still going through um, his schooling, obviously, and he didn't know quite how all the technology worked, but his humility allowed him to accept like there's still like a little bit he needed to learn and a little bit that he can grow into. And eventually when he became the director of analytics, he did something that like I wasn't able to do to at least my satisfaction was he surrounded himself with people who were plenty capable of performing all sorts of tasks and actually built a department. And so I think between his passion and his humility, those were the two big things that stood out. And, and obviously, 
were great assets for him to, to rise to the role where he is today. Okay, Tony, jump in here. 2018, you come in, you get hired by Evan. Is what he's saying accurate? Yeah, I would mostly agree, um, except for all the praise that he was showering at me. That part, <laughs> I don't know if I would agree with. But as far as the way that things went down, yeah. So he hired me as an operations intern at first. So I was basically Texas intern for a few months, helping him with whatever. And then I was also like doing some like baseball type projects for Evan. But like, to be honest, at that point, like the stuff I do now, like uh, working with statistics and modeling and just an understanding of baseball specific development research and like what Rapsodo and TrackMan was and all that. I didn't have any of that. So like he would start me off with like working on projects that didn't really take that knowledge, but were more about uh, baseball things or like one of them was like about park factors, like which parks like do teams score more runs and stuff like that. So I got my feet wet with stuff like that. And then being around the program, I kind of learned the things that like you don't learn in high school baseball. That's like uh, you, you'd see coaches talking about or, or that kind of stuff. And that's something I kept learning the whole time that I was there. Um, like attention to detail with like pickoffs or things like that or little things that matter. But, but um, while I like continued in my baseball education, I also was learning stuff in school, um, learning how to code and things like that. And by that time, I kind of got thrown into the position of being the director after Evan left. I wasn't really ready for all of that. Um, and I wasn't ready for like uh, needing to lead a team, but I kind of tried to learn it as I went. And like at the beginning, it was tough. Um, but after some time, like you kind of learn the ropes. Um, and I have to say, like the reason that I was able to do it is because Evan, like once he knew he was going to go um, and a little bit before he really like pulled me in and like tried to walk me through everything everything like not only the way that he did things which everything that the analytics like team had done at that point anything about analytics was because Evan did it like that's why it started um so he walked me through like both the process of how he would do things but also like challenged me to think about things because he knew that I wasn't going to be able to just copy everything he did like that there would be things that would have to change um because it's always like that when when somebody leaves so um he kind of gave me an idea of how to like how to think about these things, how to like think about maybe the way that you can improve a pitcher's change up or curveball or whatever, how to analyze it. And then I still asked a bunch of questions and talked to him a lot after he left. Um, and at the end before um, he went to the Blue Jays, but like through that, with that help, then I was able to kind of move on and um, think about how I would, I would best apply things. And sometimes I stray too far away and I would still need to text them like months after and be like, Hey, what do you think of this? Um, I remember a particular time, like when he was in Santa Barbara last year, which wasn't that long ago that I asked him a question about like sliders because I like, I had thought something and then Evan was like, like well, why do you think that? Like, is there any evidence that, that that's true? And, and I was like, Oh, well actually now that you mentioned that, <laughs> Maybe I'm just thinking that because I don't know why, but yeah, um, I would say like the way he said everything happened pretty much worked and it was like a nice amount of overlap where we had enough time for him to kind of train me and then me to go forward and that was it. Well, it, it certainly is amazing thinking about how you two look at a pitch and, and mostly the analytics 
you know that we're that we're discussing. I mean, it's it's really strong on the pitching side of things, and it's slowly progressing towards the hitting. I think the Gauchos this year were doing a lot of stuff with hitting, and and the two current lead analytics guys, David Tillotson and Spencer Stewart, you know, they were doing a lot of stuff on the hitting side as well, and kind of expanding it using video and using blast. But really, the the root of your guys' success was on the pitching side of things because that's kind of where baseball analytics, at least the the stuff that's outside of scouting reports and shifts and batting certain guys in, in different spots in the order and slugging percentages and OPS plus and all those things that are also involved with analytics. But as far as pitch design, which you guys told me about, and I was like, pitch design, like, what does that mean? Like, are you making a blueprint or a schematic of what a pitch looks like? Well, in a sense, yes, you are. But I, because I'm, I'm a visual person, and I look at a, a curveball, you know, like a Rodney Boone curveball or a Shane Bieber slider, and I can just see how good it is. But you two know that there's a lot more that goes into it. And when you talk about pitch design, I mean, what, motivated you or at least when was the moment when you realized like oh I'm looking at numbers and I can apply these numbers to working on a pitch so I'm, I'm curious Evan like when when did you figure that out that you could put those two things together yeah honestly it all started with the technology when we got trackman and repsoda in the beginning we were getting a flood of data and uh, I'll admit, in the beginning, I didn't quite know what to do with all of it. Um, and over time, I, I eventually figured some things out. And as time progressed, Tony figured other things out. And we're all constantly learning. But um, as far as the lowest hanging fruit goes, like we figured out that, you know, there are definitely certain traits that tend to have pitches play better than other certain traits. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's also in context of who the pitcher is and, and you know, they're, they're feeling with how the ball comes out of their hand and stuff like that. So the data is just information and it's just feedback on what's happening. It, it just provides clues for, you know, how the pitcher is doing and what they do and what they do best, what they don't do very well. And eventually we get to the point where, like, okay, we can more or less define what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are with, with who you are, with your arm slot, with the type of pitches you have. And then we sort of, the next step is figuring out, well, ideally, if you can turn these traits into something a little bit more like this, you will have a certain uh, significant increase in, in production value, hopefully. At least that's the idea. Um, so to go from point A to point B, like I just described, probably takes a little bit of a leap of faith because... Um, you know, in the beginning, you are sort of messing around and tinkering around, and there has to be some sort of um, tolerance for frustration, uh, both with the coaching staff and the player, in order to achieve what hopefully will be the end goal. Um, and in fall of 2018, um, I think we had the right sort of combination of, of players, players' talent level, coaching talent level, and open mindedness and willingness to sort of explore these areas. Um, and that's kind of how pitch design developed at UCSB. It, it really mostly happened in fall of 2018, um, if I were to define it in one certain time frame. But, I mean, it's always been happening ever since baseball was really created. We just now have fancy new ways to describe what 
uh, people have been doing for for decades. Okay, so Rap Soto. I mean, what it's a it's a radar that sits behind the catcher, and you connect it to an iPad, which is then displayed on a on a television screen. So during the bullpen session, the pitchers are throwing a pitch, and then they get instant feedback on on that pitch. So what are the primary things that the coaches are looking at on that screen if you're working on uh, a certain pitch? Like what are the what are like three or four key factors um, or key numbers, key points that show up on that screen uh, for a pitch design? When we're talking about spin-induced movement, there are three main factors in order of influence. It would be the spin axis, so the direction the ball is spinning, uh, the spin efficiency, which shows you how much of the spin actually turns into movement, and then the big flashy term probably more people have heard about, spin rate. So that's just simply how much the ball is spinning. Um, and just purely talking about spin-induced movement, those three things sort of add up to produce the kind of movement that the pitch shows in its ball flight. Um, so at least when I was there, and this probably evolved after I left with Tony, was uh, we were looking at those three things in addition to velocity um, in terms of figuring out like how everybody's pitches are moving and, and sort of eventually creating benchmarks for how the pitch should move um, in contrast to how it currently moves. And then using video, we sort of backwards gain a way to figure out of, of how to achieve those goals. But yeah, it sounds like continuity and understanding, and that's been the biggest factor. And it took a little while, you know, it took two or three years. But I mean, I, I it goes back to, and I talked about this on the up 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 and Olay pod with with Max and Omar about kind of just the grassroots and the grassroots nature of UCSB baseball and this analytics department that has been fostered from pretty much out of nothing. You know, it's it's really developed into one of the premier analytics departments on the West Coast, if not in all of collegiate baseball. And I think that all of the work that you guys have done, Evan and Tony, and then all of your interns, David and Spencer, I mean there's there's other names that I've I'm probably missing there, but all of that work that's done behind closed doors, late at night, looking at video, looking at numbers, not understanding things, waiting around for your computer to upload things, or losing memory cards or battery packs or whatever is involved. Like All of that shared suffering has turned into this great thing, and it's a huge asset for this program. And I think you guys, you know, you guys are gonna be remembered for a long time for the, the, the mark that you've left on this program. So that being said, I want to know what your best memory was as a gaucho because you guys were here for some good years and I want to know what your favorite memories are starting with Evan. Uh, yeah, that's uh there's there's an awful lot to choose from obviously and it would be a bit of a cop out answer if I were to say watching the Omaha run uh, back when I was probably more of a fan of the program than necessarily a contributor to it. Um, but I think 
for me, what stood out the most was the developmental fall of 2018 has already been mentioned a couple times. Uh, I think the biggest thing was it was exciting to come to work every day. It was it was so motivational. It was so awesome to have everybody pulling in the same direction. Um, we kind of like what was mentioned earlier. I thought at that time we had just the right combination of player talent. Um, I know we had a bunch of third-year players who, who went through a couple struggling years and, and broke out that year. Uh, we also had a new coaching staff, and, and they were all in on doing things differently and trying new things out, which included some of the, the tech stuff that we tried to implement. Um, and then it starts at, top, starts at the top with Coach Jackets. I mean, he was open-minded. He was willing to uh, give people kind of the space to, to explore their areas, and at least definitely in my case, like, he gave me freedom to fail and, and sort of work through my own way to figure out how to do things. So um, I think for me, that's, that's the beauty. That's the beauty of baseball, right? It's, it's the freedom to fail. I think it's, it's not said enough, uh, at least in baseball terms. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know what the uh, analytics equivalent is to hitting 300, but um, I know I definitely failed more often than I succeeded. I could, I could guarantee that. <laughs> Um, and that was okay. It, it was a time to explore. And um, I think the allowance in order to, to progress um, was probably the most exciting part of that time. And it, it's, I know it's not just for me personally, but it's for the coaches, it's for the players. And I think a lot of personal growth and, and group growth and program growth happened during that time um, just because of the culture and the mindset of allowing um, some freedom within that area was ingrained into what we did every day. Uh, and for me, it was, like I said earlier, it's extremely satisfying to go to work every day. Like you said, maybe stay a little bit later sometimes than others, like when cameras fail and when memory cards fail, like that didn't matter. It just got to a point where, you know, that's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll find the next thing to do because we know everything's going to be okay. And, and uh, I unfortunately wasn't able to experience the 2019 season firsthand, but it was incredibly uh, satisfying to watch it from afar. Um, and I'm really glad it sort of worked out, at least in that short term. Okay, Tony, favorite memory? Well, luckily for me, I was fortunate enough to experience the 2019 season firsthand. Um, so that being said, I would say my favorite memory was uh, Chris Lincoln striking out uh, one of Irvine's batters on a slider looking to sweep them, kind of finally prove to everyone that we actually had a good team. No one really watches. I mean, we're not on TV. We didn't have lights yet. Um, no one really pays attention to like the smaller conferences on the West Coast. Uh, but Irvine like had been hyped up a lot that, that year. And the, the way that series started, as I'm sure you remember, was like Ben Brecht, who had been great, gave up a few base runners in the first inning. And it just seemed like at the beginning, like, uh oh like now we're finally in the spotlight and like they're gonna crash and, and burn and then he just got out of the inning like he got a double play or something and then we also were crashing and burning analytics wise at that same moment because like one of our scouting report things was wrong <laughs> so everything just seemed like it was going wrong but then that got figured out that like he got out of the inning um i think that was the game that amar hit the home run if it wasn't it was like it was a closer game but like it was well played by us and like they just followed through the whole weekend and then finishing off with that strikeout it was just like so satisfying to see that because 
like one of the best parts of being behind home and like looking at the numbers is like you watch so many of the pitches by these guys you kind of like know what they should throw or what they might throw or both sometimes they're different like sometimes you know it should be this pitch and they don't do it but you know it's, it's fun to see what happens but with Lincoln it was like you knew his slider was was pretty deadly um but he had already I, th- I think he had already thrown it to that guy in the same at bat um so you almost thought like maybe he's going to go with something else here but it was just like it locked him up and it didn't matter like even if the guy knew he could have known it was coming but it was like it looked like it was going to hit him so he couldn't do anything and he just froze um and he just finished off the weekend and also like finishing out the season and winning the title against Cal Poly is another great memory but I think just early in the year when it was like we couldn't lose a game and it just like you went to the field and you just knew you're gonna win and like I knew it was gonna be over and then you'd hear the siren in Santa Barbara would play by revolution and like you just it was knew it was gonna be a great day and that was just the culmination of it um with that with that last inning where he's like a nail biter but he got out of it so it's amazing that you would pick that memory because or that that specific strikeout because when I was putting together the the introduction which you guys heard earlier right in the middle of that is a pause there's a, it's a I say here's the pitch and there's a pause and that's a strike three called break them all strike three called and that's that pitch yeah. that's on Sunday <laughs> striking out I think it was uh Folia for Irvine yeah yeah, uh, strikeouts yeah. to earn the sweep for the Gauchos. That's that's amazing that you would pick uh, that memory, Tony. That's incredible. All the and all then, of the intros you had from last year, any of those could have been the memory. Like it could have been Tommy stealing the home run too, or like Tommy stealing home, or it, like all of those could have worked. You know. That uh, was a great season. I'm sorry you missed it, Evan, but <laughs> you were able to watch and listen, and and I appreciate you listening uh, from afar. But just real quick, like what, how did you tune in to, to Gaucho baseball last year in 2019? Yeah, if there was a video stream, I definitely tried to get on that as much as I could. Um, there are a couple paywalls that I had to get through, but that was no big deal. You know, with my job, I travel around the minor leagues a little bit. Uh, there have been a couple long bus rides that I've been on with uh, Gaucho baseball going on. So that helped me uh, get through a, a few long treks in that area. Unfortunately, uh, you can wear royal blue and get away with it, even if it's got a little yellow in it. Isn't that right? Yeah. I've, <laughs> I've gotten a little bit of uh, flack from wearing so much gaucho stuff. I mean, if you look at my closet, my entire wardrobe is blue now. Um, so it fits. <laughs> Last segment here, let's talk about your transition to pro ball. And being baseball guys, I mean, everyone who has ever picked up a baseball and, and played, you know, they tell themselves, I want to play in the big leagues one day. Some, it's, you just say it because you say it, and that's what everyone else says, but others, they really mean it, and they commit their, their lives and their craft to, to try and getting there. And both of you guys have made it to a major league club. You may not be on a major league field, but you are there. I'm just curious you know, what, what motivated you guys and what, you know, what started the process and how was the process in getting hired. I'm really lucky that I was pretty particular about documenting everything um, and being a bit of a pain in the butt when it came to writing everything down, uh, which eventually served my best interest when I applied to teams for professional jobs, basically. Uh, so luckily, I was able to put a little portfolio of the stuff that we've been doing and actually get together in ways and ways and ways that we 
initiatives and what came out of it. Um, thankfully, more often than not, like some of our initiatives actually worked out. Uh, uh, these are all these things are all that things professional, professional based organizations are looking for. Looking for. If a team, I, I was lucky in a situation where maybe the Blue Jays weren't right where they wanted to be on the policy and applying it to development, and they see, oh, this guy was kind of doing it already. They can do it. Just thankfully, I interviewed decently enough and uh, was able to get the job. Tony, so the Yankees, and we talked about this. I interviewed you for a game this year, and you talked about it a little bit then, but. I mean, you were, grew up a Yankee fan, fan. and now that now you're wearing, wearing a Yankee hat, I mean, what does that what feel that like? Was the Yankees always a target team, team, or did it just kind of work, work out that, out that way? way? Was it just uh, the plans aligned for you? Um, to be honest, it kind of just worked out that way. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do after this fall. I was graduating, but it was like before the regular end of the school year. So I applied for a few jobs that I had more interest in, one of which was obviously the Yankees one. Um, and I went through the process. It took some time, and, like, I didn't know sometimes if I was qualified or, or different things because it's a role that's more analytical. And when I had been at UCSB working for the baseball team, I was doing more development-based stuff. Um, but I just went through it. I did my best, and it, it worked out. I think in the Yankees case, they've had like an established department for a good amount of time. Um, and they really value the idea of bringing in like recent graduates and kind of training them and then pushing them forward. A lot of the people um, who work there now have been like brought up that way. So, and I think a lot of teams are doing that as a matter of fact. So lucky enough, I like fell into the, the, that category of someone just recently graduating some baseball experience. Um, playing earlier in my life and then more on, on this side of it during college. And then that worked out, moved to New York in January. I was there for a couple of months. So it was quite an adjustment from Santa Barbara. Uh, but then, yeah, now I'm back in Ohio. So it's been cool, but it kind of just happened more so than something I specifically had been eyeing for a long time. Okay. So I'm going to direct this question to Evan because he's had a year under his belt. You know, it's, it's been a, Tricky time for Tony because he got there, what, in uh, in February. And then, you know, the, the season hasn't started yet. So, Evan, last year, I mean, what was the biggest transition from – or what were your biggest challenges? Because working in a small environment with a college team, having some freedom. And it sounded like you had maybe some freedoms that you may not have anticipated having freedoms with, with the Blue Jays. But – what were the biggest challenges in your transition to pro ball? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like you said, Kevin, um, working with one college team is a little bit than a little bit different than working at a player development facility with over 150 players on the minor league side. Uh, so I think quickly I had to learn that you know the strategies I employed at UCSB were not necessarily the most efficient ways to do things in professional baseball. Um, so. The biggest thing I had to tackle, and honestly, I'm still tackling now, is, is figuring out how to scale some of this stuff. Uh, I I can't do it all. Um, so a lot of what I need to do is I need to work with everybody around me, and that includes coaches, that includes high performance, that includes video interns, everybody, because um, it truly is a collaborative team effort. Uh, and trying to find ways to sort of integrate everybody into one system or process that is able to touch as many players as possible in the most meaningful ways. 
I know at UCSB there have been a couple times where, um, hey, you know, player X should work on item Y, and it's as simple as just going ahead and doing it. And I think that's still true in professional baseball, but uh, more often is the case you have players, I don't know, 1 through 20 who are also working on item Y. So creating a system to implement a strategy that can sort of work with as many of those, as many of those guys as possible through the coaches who actually develop relationships with the players um, has been probably the biggest thing I've had to learn and adjust to um, here in Pro Bowl compared to UCSB. Okay, Tony, can you relate to any of that? Because you had a little bit of time in New York and you were going to Yankee Stadium. Is I'm assuming that the relationship building is probably the biggest thing just because you're going into a professional arena and the coaches and staff have different perspectives, come from different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in my case, I think it's a, a little bit less about the applicability to like a larger scale um, and more about like the changing in roles and then understanding where I'm at. So like when I was at Santa Barbara, everyone would look to me for like any analytics-based question. They would ask me whether I knew the answer or not. Um, and like, I thought that I knew a lot of the answers, but now that I got to a place where like everyone knows more than I do, I realized that not only like were some of the answers that I was giving wrong and sometimes are just not precise enough, um, but also there's like so much more to be explored. Um, that I haven't even touched on. And that's why I mentioned that it feels like I'm in school again, because like I'm learning all these things, both in like baseball things and like stats things. So I think kind of transitioning from like being the person who like had to manage some other people. Cause like I haven't mentioned, I had like a team of interns that were all great. And like, I actually would say they did most of the work, um, most of the behind the scenes work. Um, I did some of it, but like I was the face you would see at the ballpark or whatever, they did most of it and managing them became a lot of my time towards the end at UCSB. And now I just got thrown into a thing where like, I'm the workhorse now, you know, like I'm the one that's being managed by somebody else. And like, I have to learn how to take what they're telling me and balance, like asking them every single question and trying to figure some things out on my own, even if it takes a little bit longer. So I'd say like fitting in, um, and those relationships is some new stuff, but also just like um, learning how to deal with things on the scale of a, like a top level MLB team. Like they've been doing this for years, for 15 years or whatever. And they have like, they've created all this information and organized it in certain ways that I never even dreamed of doing before. So learning from that and like trying to understand the way that they've organized their information and the culture that they have been a big part of the transition okay last question here moving forward you know this year and next year what are you two looking forward to doing the most is it is it being is it being promoted is it working with a new piece of technology or is it maybe seeing a direct result of your work with a player like those are some of the examples that popped into my head, but Evan, like what, what are you most looking forward to in the upcoming season or seasons? Uh, I think this, this, as hacky as this may sound, I want the Toronto Blue Jays to have the best pitching development team in the world. And I think 
doing something that will be wholesomely fulfilling. I, I truly believe um, some of the player development issues we had in UCSB were the best in college baseball. Um, and I feel like I have a little bit more ground to say that now, now that I've sort of studied other programs and my experience in pro ball too. And I want to I wanna return to a place where we're the best at what we do. And just continuing to work with everybody every day, uh, continuing to work with the bright minds of people who are innovative and collaborative and willing to take risks, kind of like what we talked about earlier, uh, willing to take chances and even make mistakes uh, is something that is wholesomely fulfilling and something I want to be a part of. And hopefully the end result is something that we could all share in a, in a large achievement, kind of like what you guys did uh, 2019 season. The Blue Jays and the Yankees are the same division. Of course. All right, Tony, can you can you top that? I can't top that. <laughs> I definitely can't. But I, for me, I think what I'm look, looking forward to the most is being able to experience the season at some point and, like, watching games with other people who are as invested as I am who know more than I do. Because it's always been a process of, like, trying to convince people to watch games with me. So now having people who want to watch games with me and want to talk about all the specifics is something I'm really looking forward to. Um, and I haven't had in a while, probably since my brother like would watch games with me. And secondly, I kind of am looking forward to learning new stuff because like I mentioned before, since I got here, there's just been so much like mentioned and like talked about like this way of doing something or this way of doing something. And I don't really know all of them yet but some of them seem like really interesting and useful. Um, so I'm really like excited to think about learning these types of like processes and stuff. Some of it is like more like nerdy stat stuff. And some of it is more about the baseball stuff, but I really want to learn that so that I can like see a chart or see a video of a player and just know things about it and be a hundred percent confident that what I know about it is right. Whereas like before, I, if I was that confident, I either was wrong to be that confident or I just couldn't say exactly what was happening. Um, but I want to be in a position like that and eventually, again, in a position where I can, like, help out people kind of like I was at UCSB because I really enjoyed that, like, the combination of, like, first having somebody kind of be your mentor and then you being the mentor to somebody else. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting to that point again. What I'm now looking forward to is, like, ton of stress and responsibility but i know that that comes with like eventually uh, moving up and, and getting to do more cool stuff um but but yeah i would i would say if i had to choose one thing just watching the games like watching games with the yankees fans you know like i wanted to do that for a long time haven't been able to well that's two brilliant minds two gauchos two legacies uh that made a huge mark on UCSB baseball that is still being felt today. Uh, they're, they're grassroots kids. They are motivated. They're excited about the future. They're doing great things with their current organizations, and they did great things when they were here in Santa Barbara. It's That's Evan Short and Tony Ortiz. Uh, gentlemen, this has been a real pleasure. Uh, lots of fun talking about data. You thought we couldn't have fun, but I think uh, this was uh, this was really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't know if our legacies can measure up to yours, Kev, but, uh, you know, thanks for having us on and, and breaking it down with us. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. I would agree with Evan's statement. 
Um, but it's always good to talk about this stuff. I think the reason it, it was fun is because we enjoy it. You know, I'm just concerned about the fans enjoying the, the nerd talk. But <laughs> well, look, yeah. look on our on our broadcasts because I've had both of you on either pregame or during games, and I always got great feedback from alumni, from parents, like because they hear about this stuff, but they don't really get an in-depth look and it's hard for them to understand and so they love this stuff they dig in and and they they love learning new things as well so um thank you for the kind words and uh we look forward well it's been great to see your faces evan in alaska tony in ohio and myself here in my bedroom in galita right next to campus but um thank god for technology and uh thanks for joining us today here on the gaucho nine podcast All right, big thanks to Evan and Tony, and of course our sponsors, Kyle's Kitchen. Thank you, Kyle. We mentioned that we weren't sure about the draft or what was going to happen. We now know that the MLB draft will be a five-round draft over the course of two days, June 10th and 11th. So keep an eye out for that at the start of June. Also want to take this time to plug UCSB Baseball Analytics Twitter page. That's at SB Baseball data for anything and everything gaucho baseball data and analytics they they post a lot of graphs they post a lot of heat charts top exit velos after each game uh, best nasty pitches they show some videos up there as well lots of cool stuff if you're more interested in some data related things go follow those guys on twitter sb baseball data for everything Gaucho Analytics. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, UCSB underscore baseball for both. And also follow the podcast, UCSB Gaucho 9 podcast. We'll throw some quotes at you. We'll throw some some extra pictures and maybe some highlights from the shows and preview some future ones uh, coming up. And also we'll have a bonus pod for you. It's We're, we're two pods in and we're going to have a bonus pod for you on Wednesday. It's going to be Thomas Rowan, Tommy Jew, Kevin Chandler, and Tevin Mitchell, four guys that were with the Gaunches for the World Series team and the Big West Championship team. And that was a lot of fun chatting with those guys. So, again, that'll be dropped on Wednesday. Keep an eye out for that. So two pods for you, slash three, however you want to look at it this week. Uh, talking Gaucho baseball will keep this thing going for you. But uh, until then, talk to you later. <laughs>